Well, happy Thanksgiving, Graham. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you too. Yeah, is is it Thanksgiving today? It's Thanksgiving it's... tomorrow, Canadian okay. Thanksgiving at least. Right, but I don't know about the Americans. Yeah, no, they do it like mid-November. Mm-hmm. But we celebrated Thanksgiving at my house here today, so I thought I would say I'm thankful. Nice, nice. Uh, celebrating Thanksgiving tomorrow, so. Very nice. Are you coming up to your family? Yeah, visiting with them for a little bit. Cool. So, it'll be nice. Yeah, cool. Uh, I felt like I was going to start the show off with something, but I... You don't know what it was? Actually, I do know what it was. What? I... Halfway through saying I don't remember, I remembered what it was. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, just going to start off with a bit of sh- a shameless self-promotion. Um, okay. Uh, this episode's coming out uh, on the 19th of October, and uh, at the end of October each year, I host a charity stream for Sick Kids Hospital here in Toronto uh, through Extra Life. Uh, this year, it's going to fall on Halloween, so October 31st. Um, it's a 24-hour stream where myself and some friends play video games and raise money. Uh, Graham, you tend to stop by year to year, I think. Yeah, it yeah. might be a little different this year. but Very true. Yeah, um, with COVID, it's probably going to be more virtual when before, you know, I had people right next to me. So it will be a bit different for sure. But uh, if that's something uh, that interests you, um, I'll put a link to my Extra Life page in the uh, description of or the podcast details of this episode yeah check it out yeah it's a lot of fun and uh i think we've raised on average like fifteen hundred dollars each year so far the past three years we've done it so my goal this year is to hit two thousand nice so let's see we if we can do it yeah but enough of promoting my own stuff let's just get it started okay Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Velvet Room Review. I'm Matthew. And I'm Graham. And Graham, we're here to talk about a game. Yes. A good game. Mm-hmm. A game that's regarded as one of the, be- one of the best games uh, of all time, actually. Really? I would say so. Um, I know it was highly regarded just in the franchise itself. Um mm-hmm. Because it okay, so we're talking about Halo Reach, mm-hmm. and this, of course, is the last game that Bungie developed in this series. Okay, um, I know it sold a, made a bunch of record, uh, set a bunch of records. Mm-hmm. Um, like it says here, the game grossed two hundred million dollars on its launch day, which is pretty That's impressive. Pretty impressive, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, of course, it's just a little over ten years old now, uh, but recently re-released uh, as part of the Master Chief Collection. Uh, in 2019. Yeah, uh, so we were able to play it on PC. Yeah. Um, and this is your first time playing through it, right? Yeah, this is my first time. Okay. And you don't have a lot of experience with the Halo franchise, correct? Not much. I played like a little bit of Halo 3 at a friend's place right. back in the day. But uh, no, not a huge amount of experience with it. For sure. Yeah, this is... Um, like I played most of the Halo games. I played all except five which is also called guardians i believe halo five guardians i think that's what it's called so yeah i played them all um i played reach a a lot when it came out uh of course on xbox 360 and uh but i haven't played it probably in eight years so it was nice to kind of 
jump back into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, Graham, what were your thoughts on Halo Reach? Yeah, I, th- I thought it was pretty fun. Like, um, we played through the whole thing in multiplayer, which I thought was great. And it was fun to shoot things, and it, like, there were some fun enemy patterns, and music's great, and um, lots of interesting environments. I never really got into the story, I'll be honest. Um, but, like, on the whole, it was a fairly pleasant experience. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think in regards to, like, you know, on the story, that was probably because we were playing in co-op and true. there were times true. when, like, you would drop or I would drop and we need to reset from a checkpoint. So it was very disjointed uh, experience, I would say, probably from, like, just paying attention to the narrative. Yeah, we um, we had to play over. We played over a few different sessions and there were some times where the servers were really good and everything was fine. And then there were some times where it was like nigh on unplayable. We actually had to stop one session because like we couldn't connect to each other and it was laggy and it was, it was bad. The last session we played, it was perfectly fine though. So, um, yeah. And then we also skipped the intro cutscene by accident. Um, yes, but, uh, yeah. And like, I thought the delivery of of the stuff was fine, but it, I don't know, like, are you, are you super invested in the Halo lore? I mean, I, I used to be like moderately invested, um, mm-hmm. you know, back when I was playing the, the series. Um, so like, I knew, like, I knew what was happening. I knew certain things, but certainly as, um, like an outsider, there are things that like hold emotional impact in this game that you wouldn't know had you not have played the first three Halo games, um, in particular, like Halo 1. Um, and there's certain things like you just kind of need to have the context for um, mm-hmm. to to, under, to fully understand, like, the the events of the game. So the, the, the game kind of takes the premise of, like, you know what's happening, mm-hmm. which as an introductory game doesn't quite work but um as a game for people who love the series it works just fine right yeah well i remember we kind of compared it to rogue one Mm -hmm. uh, star wars rogue one and i think it's got the same kind of thing of like that movie's about getting the death star um blueprints to the to the beginning of episode four right and like probably wouldn't hold as much weight if you didn't know what the death star was yeah, and that and that it also ties in. Like I think, like that movie would stand on its own, but it it benefits from like tying directly in with episode four, like mm-hmm. literally, like almost shot for shot, they dive into it uh, near the end, and then and Reach does similar things, right? Um, so f- certainly both both entities take on like, hey, you know what's happening, but we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna try and make a compelling. Uh, story otherwise, right? Because, uh, again, if you've played Halo 1, you know that Reach uh, doesn't make it through the the fight with the Covenant. They are destroyed. So mm-hmm. that's not a compelling point to play from a narrative perspective because there's no question about what happens to Reach because it's a prequel. So Yeah. I guess it's kind of interesting, actually, to have a story where you know where the ending is. Um 
you know where it's going to end up. So it uh, it lets the characters be a little bit more, well, lets them fail more, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think this does um, it a little better, perhaps, than Rogue One of like all of your squad uh, kind of thinning out. Um, you know, one by one, you start to lose mem- members of your team. And uh, I guess in the end, it, it near the end, it kind of ramps up a little bit. But um, it has that same theme of like these characters that you've gotten to know and love are are now, you know, not making it out of the fight, which from I guess from like a, a narrative standpoint, like we we may know that Reach falls, but we don't necessarily know what happens to each member of Noble Team. Mm, so true. early early on, they want to try and build that connection of the player to noble team, and then your investment is: are these characters going to make it out uh, a, a, away from reach? Right. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and so that's that's what, and similarly, Rogue One is really supposed to be a character piece, whether it ex- succeeds or not. I think it's up for some debate, but. Similarly, you know, they want you to care about the characters because you know about the history of the events. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It lets them, people care about characters. So, yeah. I did find that I didn't have a lot of emotional investment in the characters. Maybe that is because we had, like, a lot of time between sessions. Um, or I, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but when when characters died i was just kind of like oh okay well i know what's i know what's happening here but uh it, it didn't um didn't really emotionally impact me i think i think part of that again is just because we were playing together yeah but yeah it it's like our focus was on having fun and not taking in yeah i was not taking it very seriously yeah <laughs> Um, we we shot each other many times. There were times in which hammers fell on one <laughs> or another, or or guards, or guard, or our fellow marines. But that's the, the the elevator scene. But Graham, that's that's like a rite of <laughs> that's a rite of passage in Halo. Like uh, the marines are expendable, and the highest oh. kill count goes to the Spartans. Yeah, just the, the we we so we get into an elevator with a marine. And Matt's holding a hammer, and we're just we're going down. And Matt just says, "Hey, watch this!" <laughs> and you hit them <laughs> with the hammer. <laughs> uh, yeah, the big toothbrush. Um, <laughs> and like, there were there were times that I think that the the impact of it was lessened a little bit because I was in a a um, sardonic mood sardonic the word for it but basically a little flippant uh the 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 one character gets shot in the head and then immediately (laughs) this like soft piano like sad piano music starts playing and i couldn't oh man i couldn't uh i couldn't keep a straight face um no you start making jokes what you say say? (laughs) well Uh, that seemed to me it doesn't work very well because... Well, yeah. Be, because, like, there are certain things from a gameplay perspective that the player has to defend him from snipers. Shields. Armor. Yep. 
uh, stuff such as this. Yeah, she and was shot like point, not point blank, like by a sniper through. Yeah, by a sniper through the helmet. Yeah, which, I mean, you have an energy shield. It shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. Also, like, there was no, like, and I have an issue with this because there's no emotional build up to it. There wasn't like there wasn't a a reason that she was sniped. We never see the sniper. We weren't in an area where like there was a threat of sniping. See, I I'm gonna disagree with you here because I think that's kind of the point. Okay, but like if you're if you're watching a story and then and then halfway through an axe murderer comes out of nowhere, kills them, kills a person, and then just leaves, you're gonna have questions. Um perhaps but like in the context of what's happening like that yeah they, they are in a war zone right that happens the the issue i have with it is that it's not sensical from a lore standpoint of like oh she's got no shields like if they have set up the events where she maybe she wasn't wearing her helmet yeah that would that would make Done. sense yeah you know fine because there are times where she's not wearing a helmet but uh... Like the guy who gets who gets stabbed with a sword, that makes sense. Those swords stab through armor. Yeah. Like or the guy who like the heroic sacrifice, that was cool. That was cool. Um. There was like so there was the the hacker lady. Oh, there's the commander who got shot and then kept piling the ship. That was pretty epic. Yeah, that's Carter. Yeah. No blowout. Um. Was there another person? Uh, like, there George. Was another... Who was George, George? George stayed behind on the Covenant cruiser to detonate the warhead. That was the big, big guy, right? Yes, the one we kept shooting because wasn't he looked... there? <laughs> wasn't there a guy in green armor? Yes, he actually survives the event of Halo Reach because he oh. leaves with to protect Doctor Halsey. Oh. Yes. Okay. I, I may be wrong. I, I do believe he returns in halo 5 okay i could be wrong i know he returns like in like comics and uh, multimedia productions and stuff like that huh okay yeah um i mean like aside from that one death they were all fairly like i don't know if believable is the word but i could i i think believable is the word of like i could accept it in the context of the situation yeah, like, like to your point, like, I think it's fine how like the 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 setting in which she she was killed, but it, like, there's no emotional resonance from any of the other characters. Like, no. nobody really reacts. So it's it's played as a sad scene when we don't, as the player, see the emotions of the other members of Noble Team. And no one grieves. Mm-hmm. It just kind of happens, and then it's over. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little strange, to be honest. It's like they had to they had to kill her off, so they had to find some way to to do it. But I digress. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. So, yeah. but I mean, like, from a gameplay perspective, I'd say like the game the game's a lot of fun. And it was really varied too. Yeah, that's that's one thing about I find about Halo is that they have really perfected um, the gameplay. Like it's very polished, I would say, um, in that it keeps like it's just it feels fun. 
like and it's fluid and like you said it's varied there's no like there's no like moment where we i would say we felt like this difficulty spike has just increased dramatically right like no like oh man they're they're just like because it's the end of the game they're throwing 17 hunters at us it's steady throughout the level of like pacing and gunplay and weapons uh, available to you or vehicles available to you yeah i didn't um yeah i felt it was fairly fairly steady and then there's a mix of like um regular on foot gameplay there was some vehicle action there was some uh on rails action uh, we did pretty well in the vehicle section i'm i'm pretty impressed with that that was fun well the nice part about halo is like it sets it sets this little um toy chest right here's the level and then here are the weapons here are the vehicles and then you as the player can determine what's going to be most effective here yeah um, like you can take enemy vehicles and turn them to our, your advantage i did that uh when we had to protect halsey i uh, a wraith dropped in i plasma pistoled it and i took it and that section was very very easy because i had the enemy's weapons to use against them um and you can do that pretty frequently throughout most of the game of like you know whatever whatever resources the enemies have i have access to as well yeah no there's a lot of a lot of stuff you can do and like i feel like that lends it well to replayability too oh absolutely because you can figure out oh if i take this path i can pick up this weapon and do this like there's a there's a lot of replay there's even par times yes um, and I noticed, I checked our achievements, we did get par on one of the chapters, and that was uh, chapter 10. Congratulations to us. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, like, it was just a lot of fun to play. And I don't know if it's like my brain is conditioned to think Halo co-op is just so much fun. But we just, we drop in, we play, we leave. It's great. And honestly, like, I'd be totally cool, like, plug more. Like, play yeah. Halo 1, 2, 3. Like, um, I don't feel like it ever gets repetitive in a way. Which may be odd to say, but. It's, it's very, like, it's a satisfying loop. I think in a way that, like, like, the closest thing that I've played to this would be Borderlands. Um, cause I played a lot of Borderlands 2 back in the day. Uh, and it's, I think with board, like this game has a sense of pacing and flow that something like Borderlands doesn't. Right. Uh, because Borderlands has like the open world aspect and all the loot and, um, inventory management. This game is just very streamlined. It's very much, it is what it is and it does what it does pretty well. Like, yeah. And I don't know if it's like. Because we played on normal, so I we can't did. really speak to higher levels of difficulty. I thought it was pretty manageable, actually, on normal, which I yeah. was I was well, happy about. Well, like, I like that enemies are not like, uh, it's not like a grind fest to take out like an elite. No. Or, you know, anything like that. Like, you, once you drop their shields, even with a pistol, you get a couple headshots, you get one or two headshots and, you know, they're done. Obviously, on higher difficulties, that's not quite the case. But um, I would argue it's probably, you know, there's more grindy enemies in something like Borderlands than something in the Halo. Oh, gosh. Yeah, how many times do you have to shoot this spider in the head before it'll die? 
Yeah, kind for of sure. Yeah. And like you said, like the the variation of like, oh, here's some vehicles you can utilize. Here's, uh, you're going to space. Uh, here's a stealth mission with uh, sniper rifles. Uh, yeah, like there was a whole space mission. We have like six degrees of freedom flight kind of thing. And it was, it was like, wow, I did not expect this. Well, like, um, like I even, I even look back to like Halo one and Halo three, like the mm-hmm. warthog runs. Like, is that where the, like the grounds collapsing and stuff? Yeah. It's the, it's the finale of the game mm-hmm. is, a, is a driving section. And like those, those two sequences like stick in my mind as like some of the best gaming experiences I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, but I can't think of another game that's ever done anything even remotely similar to that of, you know, it's a first person shooter, but the climax of the game is get from point A to point B with this epic music track and hope that if you're playing with friends, they don't mess it up. <laughs> right. Um, like, yeah, it's, it's experience unlike any, I think I've, I've had yet. Well, it almost it's different from something like Uncharted, where it's highly choreographed, um, like the the set pieces. I, I'd imagine I haven't actually played the the three finale or anything, but like with Uncharted, you know, you're kind of running on autopilot. Right? Yes, just um, push the stick left. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yep. but I don't know. There's there's a like. Even though you are like kind of, you see an enemy, you shoot it. I did. I don't know. There's a certain sense of control that, like, maybe it's just because maybe it has to do with the first person perspective of, like, you are very much in control of your character. But um, yeah. Um, I think, yeah. and like, I think it's also important to note, like, we didn't even touch on the multiplayer at all. Like we didn't play. No, we didn't that. play any multiplayer. We didn't play firefight, so it's like we're only coming from the campaign-based experience. And the multiplayer, I know it's it's almost a disservice to talk about it without <laughs> without it having kinda... to play it uh, because it's so for its for its time it was very innovative. Like Forge in Halo Reach was very innovative. Um, it was like very very impressive the maps that were coming out, um, you know, on the 360 back in 2010 2011 um like custom game modes that like uh like uh, cops and robbers um like uh halo horse stuff like that like a lot of ingenious map design or even like um i don't know if you've ever seen like uh i forget what it's called but like there's a big shoot and like just enemy wraiths and vehicles just drop down and you're just trying to like dodge these mass projectiles like hurtling at you that's funny it's it's just like ingenious levels of design that like the the developers just said hey guys have fun go nuts right Mm -hmm. on on top of just solid multiplayer to begin with well i think multiplayer is very much like a core facet of halo too like it's like when you think of halo you think of multiplayer yeah absolutely and i would say like that's something that like at least from my perspective, like really so- was solidified with like Halo 2. Because even Halo 1, that was like very much pre, pre-console pre internet base, right? Um, 
and so like with Halo 2, I think that level of like online multiplayer was becoming normalized and and what was possible and 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 what could be done on an Xbox. And so what I if? think I think they're really like kind of hit hit that market really hot there and then like knocked it out of the park with Halo 3 uh, on a 360. Mhm. I think it was it was one or two also that introduced matchmaking. Uh, rather than a lobby-based system for multiplayer, mm. which that was, um, that was, I, I, I don't know if Halo was the first, but I think they popularized it, the idea of a matchmaking service rather than a lobby-based. Right. Um, right. Which really kind of revolutionized the way that they did uh, um, multiplayer matching. Yeah. Because it meant that people would jump into a game really quickly. Yeah, I think Halo, like, has definitely had a huge influence on mm-hmm. uh on the genre um at least at least in the first at least in the early 2000s or like that that decade that the 2000s decade mm-hmm. of you know it kind of it along with like maybe call of duty like standardized what we know as a first person shooter and yeah, first person shooter multiplayer well it's it's interesting too like going back to it now it's fairly bright colored isn't it yes it is Reach? well which they, is sorry go ahead which is kind of different from the, like a lot of the other first person shooters that were out there at the time for sure oh like look at look at the enemies like the grunts are very colorful the elites mm-hmm. are very colorful um it's it's the humans that are kind of like <laughs> you know dark or green uh hard to see you know like that level of like design but but all the enemy uh, equipment uh, vehicles are very brightly colored. Yeah, lots of purples and golds and greens. I think there's greens. I know that like yeah, elites and grunts and all those. Yeah, they're yeah. all oh like in the the red shields that the what do you call them? Yeah. Jackals have yeah. and yeah, there's a lot of color in them. Yeah, absolutely. Which is good. Yeah, whereas something like I think to like. Let's think of a similar game. Call of Duty? Like, well, Call of Duty is a great one. Um, I would think of, like, the Resistance trilogy on PS3. Very, <laughs> the first one was very, very, like, dark and, like, uh, gritty and gray and uh, muted colors. Um, yeah, definitely very much, like, Halo is, like, that kind of, not I want to say outlier, but, like, that's what they do. Um, very well is 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 the the atmosphere and the uh, detail uh, of the world and of the characters. Mm-hmm. Actually, that makes me think. Have you played Destiny? Uh, I did play Destiny One. Yes. Okay. Um, like so, I played through Destiny One and Two. Um, and it like I feel like there's a lot of the, the similar like there's lots of bright colors and really interesting environments and stuff in those games as well. Uh, what did you think of them? Um, I think <laughs> I didn't play destiny two. I only played destiny one. Um, I, I would say it's a fine game. Um, what I like most about destiny is how the gunplay feels, which feels great. Cause they know how to, they know how to make gameplay mm-hmm. and, uh, the the co-op aspects are incredibly fun when you're playing with like your friends and trying to do this raid it's very fun Mm -hmm. 
everything else though I found was very lacking in the game like the story uh, the, uh, the characterizations um, even like raid matchmaking it was it was lacking a lot of things that, that being said they worked a lot really hard to add things in and fix things and they added fun modes and stuff like that so yeah you know I, I it's it's a good game it's fine but it's it's interesting to see like I would what I would argue is probably like the golden I don't know if the what the proper term is the golden pony golden the golden horse uh, the golden oh. goose of of like the gaming industry go from go from like Halo to to Destiny which um you know is has still been massively successful financially but perhaps not as much uh critically it's um it's a very different game uh, i've played more destiny 2 uh, like and i've played a lot of it in co-op it's it's weird because halo is very easy to get into mm. um like you just you pick up and you start shooting stuff destiny there's just a wall of mechanics and loot convoluted loot systems and teleportation like like there's there's this like barrier to entry not barrier to entry but like I'll, i'll give an example i wanted i i saw oh i've got these things in my inventory i want to do something with them they're engrams um (laughs) <laughs> uh but <laughs> i was like okay well can i like spend them or can i cash them in or can i turn them into something else like what do i use them for and i'm looking and i'm looking and i'm looking online and it's like oh you have to complete this quest chain before you can do this and do that and i'm just like mm, nah i'm not gonna do that <laughs> yeah it's it's a uh, it's a style of game I personally don't really like, um, and and it's not because it's bad. It's because it's not how I play. Like like I think of like World of Warcraft, um, any big MMORPG, like any like live game really. Yeah, like there's just so many mechanics and features and things to know, and I don't I don't. R- I don't necessarily like learning about features through massive walls of texts of text. Like I, I like my features to be more intuitive, like they're a part of the game design. So I, I understand entirely uh, like your point of like, Oh, okay. What is this? What am I doing? How do I do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, even like the whole, like, Oh, I can't do this until I do that quest. Like even that kind of is lame of like, well, how do I get to that quest? Which quest is it? Um, and I, I'm kind of going through the same experience with like Marvel's Avengers, mm-hmm. which is a game I really like to play. It's a lot of fun, uh, but it's 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 also one of those games as a service that is having a pretty rocky start, and a lot of it is tied to like messy mechanics, a messy loot system, <laughs> um, and other issues that it's it's hard to like. It's I would argue it's even harder to in, like just just pop in and play than Destiny. I like in Destiny you can hop in and play in under maybe sixty seconds. I would say like oh I'm gonna load this mission load this multiplayer map. Marvel's Avengers it's a five minute ordeal easily. Mm-hmm. But that's another game for another time. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it was interesting to definitely to see Bungie's, uh, shift in, uh, the, the type of game that they were working on because although they're the same genre, technically first person shooter, uh, Halo and Destiny are quite different. Mm-hmm. So again, I think, I think Halo's strongest features are the way in which people can play it together and the multiplayer aside like halo i think halo is probably the number one reason there's such a thing as like couch co-op like still to this day as limited as it might be but i think if you said like like if you said a land party what Mm -hmm. is the game most people are going to think of smash or maybe halo <laughs> um, can you do a land party in smash well i guess not but i think like i th- i think to me land party is just like oh, a bunch of guys playing games together so yeah. definitely think, like yeah you can't do a land for melee or whatever but like starcraft 2 i suppose or age of empires usually yeah, pc games i think usually of land parties. yeah usually but like i know plenty of people who it's like oh yeah uh last weekend i like i went like this in high school, I went over and there was like eight of us playing Halo multiplayer or four of us playing through the campaign. Um, it's just a great game that allows people to come together. Mm-hmm. So, and it doesn't, it doesn't like bog you down with, it, it keeps the second player in mind. It doesn't like discard them or punish you for having the second player. Like yeah, you and I, Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> you and I were, you know, both part of Noble Team. And yeah. um, aside from not seeing each other in cutscenes, you we, we like it, it totally felt natural and normal. And it didn't feel like the game was like, I don't even know if they do this. They might do this. But it didn't feel like the game was like, oh, there's a second player. We better add extra enemies. Didn't feel like that. Extra health. They may very well do it. But the fact that you don't notice it is, I think, a bonus to the game's credit yeah i would say honestly like a pretty solid game yeah i I really don't i like it didn't blow me away or anything like that but i really don't have any complaints about it yeah and that's i think how i feel about most of the halo franchise i i've I, i i think it's a very polished series i i think of all of most AAA games like they could be really good, but they have a lot of flaws, glitches or bugs or otherwise. I think like Halo is just like it's they really just nail it. They 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 hit the mark. Right? And and that's why it's it's fun to play. And I'll say this, like the Master Chief collection um is awesome. It's a fifty dollar collection for five games. No, six games. And on PC, like you can actually buy them individually. If you wanted to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah six. I ended up just yeah, buying Reach. Games. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, it's six games. Um, Halo Reach, uh, one, two, three, uh, three ODST, and then also Halo 4 is coming out in a little bit. So, uh, uh, like a, an awesome, awesome deal. Um, a huge amount of achievements if you're into achievements. Oh, my goodness. There's so many. I think there's six, seven hundred. Let me look. Like... I couldn't, like, are there individual Platinums for each game? So, uh, no. Xbox does not do Platinums. Oh, okay. But I believe... Oh, true. 
Yeah. I, I believe that I could be incorrect about this. So forgive me if I'm wrong. There are 700 achievements on Steam. I'm not sure if all those are on Xbox. But I do believe that each uh, game has 1,000 points on Xbox. So it's essentially a 6,000 gamer score uh, game. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome. Uh, I don't know how much it was on Xbox. I'm assuming it probably was $80. Yeah, probably. I could be wrong. Please let me know if I am. But... $80 still. on launch, at least. Yeah. Still. Again, there's 700 achievements on Steam. <laughs> and we, I've earned 29 of them. Yeah. I don't think I've even earned that many. Yeah. But, which, um... which is awesome, because it's... And that makes that makes sense. Like, when you have six games bundled together, you can put in achievements that would be, like, considered awful in any other game. Like, if they wanted to, they could have, like, kill 10,000 people. But across six games, that's nothing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because it's like I got to kill 100 grunts or whatever. Right. Pretty easy on, like, yeah. Yeah, so it's I, it's it's pretty neat. And again, it's like, um, I don't know, it's, it's, that, it's that value that, like, like, when we look at a lot of, or some, AAA game studios, like, the big debacle this week has been about FIFA 20, uh, 21. Have you heard about that, Graham? I have not. Okay, so I'm, I'll I'll come back. This will come back around. I promise. Okay. So I think I think not not FIFA 20, but FIFA 19 was the last time the developers changed anything about the game, as far as like mechanics wise. Essentially, each new game is now just a roster update. Mm-hmm. And so this year, when the with the game's release, um, and the and EA has like come out and said, "This is what we're doing," like. We're just we're just updating the roster. Uh, IGN, surprisingly, IGN has come out and they 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 copy and pasted their review from FIFA twenty for FIFA twenty one. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and then gave it a two out of ten because of this, and that's got a lot of people like talking online. Obviously, it, I I understand why EA does this because it sells. Why would they not do it? But. I think when we look at that of like, that's just like shame, shameless, like, like not predatory, but like, it's just kind of, it's borderline. Well, predatory. It, it sounds greedy. Well, it from is someone greedy. from someone standing outside. It sounds very greedy. And, and, and let's be clear, like greedy is okay. Like, or it's like, it's okay to want to make money. You have to make money. But in this instance, it's like, if, if you're coming out saying, well, we're not changing anything about the game except the name of the players. We're adding no additional improvements or features. Give us $80 again. That's, I think, if they had said it'll be a $40 game. You know, Ubisoft does this with Just Dance. Just Dance 2020 was 40 bucks Canadian when it, come in, when it came out. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's that, to me, makes perfect sense. And they built, like, a whole, like, library of Just Dance um, songs and they have like this uh, virtual service. And well, it they makes got lots of DLC too, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Like we bought Just Dance 2019, and there's a subscription in the game to get access to all the other songs from most of the games. Yeah, that's pretty good deal. That's an awesome deal, and it's like yeah, it's a monthly subscription or whatever. But like we pay ten bucks for three months, and then we have access to a bunch of songs that we want, and then we're kind of done playing with 2019 now, so we don't have it anymore. But like 
things like that. It's it's like it's nice to see the Master Chief Collection come out and be like, hey, it's just fifty dollars. We know you've bought the games already. <laughs> Buy them again for a very low, low price. And I think it's very it's very powerful. And Xbox in particular is really pushing uh, like the Games Pass and uh, like uh, more uh, affordable gaming, I would say, or um, yeah. kind of trying to shake up game um, game service providing. Which honestly, like yeah, Xbox is probably the best consumer option nowadays yeah i think i i I don't know like i don't have a lot of i don't have any experience with the game gamer pass games pass um game pass i think yeah and i'm i'm this this is gonna sound really odd i'm really actually hesitant towards it and i don't know if it's because it's me personally i don't i don't necessarily like having too many options or having an option that's there one month but might be gone the next month. And I think that's the biggest barrier for me of like, oh, uh, like for PS Now, games come and go. Like, oh, God of War is available. Awesome. Uh, oh, I it's gone in two months or whatever time frame that is. For me, I, I don't quite like that. And maybe it's also because like, I don't, I don't necessarily mind like having a digital library. Um, like well, you, like with Steam or with PS4 now that, that most of that's going to transfer over, I like having a digital library of, of games I own and, and directly supporting the creators. Mm-hmm. Well, and you enjoy having a physical library too, don't you? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I mean, I like... For some things, I do buy physical for resale purposes, but like, I like having some games that, I, that are just like on my shelf or... Or they're there if I want to play them. Like, I, I, I don't discriminate and say no disc, you know, just digital. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I guess I, I'm just kind of app, apprehensive. I don't know. That's not the right word. I'm well, not sold. I'm not sold yet on, like, a streaming service for games. Yeah, I suppose, like, there there are a lot of questions about, like, sustainability. Right. Of like, okay, if my game, if like this company's game goes on Game Pass and you pay five dollars to access it, like how are the developers making money? Like it's it's um I don't know the math behind that. Um Yeah, I mean it's similar to Netflix, right? Yeah, like, it's licensing. Yeah, they pay the developers some fee or fund or whatever, and then they just, you know. I mean, I, I I can see where I can see streaming as a as a really meaningful and powerful service is in backwards compatibility game availability. Mm-hmm. If they came out and said, "Hey, PS Now is going to have uh, a thousand PS One titles, two titles, and three titles, and uh, you can play them for nine ninety nine a month," I would pick it up, no problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, it, there there are games on that service that I literally can't play anyway at any other method, and there are games that I would want to play uh, that you know I can't physically di- or physically buy or digitally buy. Yeah, it's a game preservation kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's like that's the that's the power of something like like a Netflix or, or Amazon Prime. Like, oh, this show from my dad's childhood 
is on Netflix. Like, we can watch that. Or, like, Golden Girls recently came out on Amazon Prime, and I'm a big Golden Girls fan, so I was really excited about that. Um, whereas, like, and it just makes, it makes sense to me for, um, like, film media that is a short burst of content, half an hour, 45 minutes, two hours. Whereas, like, something like a, like a 50-hour game. Like, I don't know if that makes sense to me as a service. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I think this next generation is going to be very telling about about that, how that is, uh, how that performs, right? So Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Because it's interesting because Xbox, Microsoft, and, uh, whoa, whoa, hold on. Um, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo are all doing fairly different approaches to their next generation. Like, I'd say, if anything, PlayStation and Nintendo are the most alike right now um, in terms of, like, their distribution model and what they're choosing to focus on. Well, I'll say this. Um, One of my favorite things about the Wii U is its virtual library. And Mm. its historical virtual library of, like, I can buy games that were on the N6, the SNES. I can buy them for five, seven dollars, ten dollars, whatever it is. I like yeah. that a lot because I think, like, like me as a consumer, I want to, I want to pay for things. I want to say, hey, I'd like to buy your game, please. I don't want to digitally <laughs> download. I don't. Sorry, I don't want to like pirate games. Yeah. So long like... as there's a method of I can, I can pay for them. That's reasonable. I don't pirate games, by the way. Not anymore. Um, I have too much to play that I bought. <laughs> so I can't justify pirating. But um, but the, 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 Switch, the Switch has now, with their online membership, um, this amalgamation of games. But like they could be doing so much more. And I, 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 I don't know if I like the method of which they're going about it. No, I, I don't... I think it's it's so strange that they're like it makes sense in some ways that they're providing this curated selection of games. That makes sense if you're going like you're choosing like the best of the best to put on the service. But there's only like 20, 30 games or something and half of them are NES titles. I mean, I mean it's just like I don't know. Um, like I like I don't want to talk like I'm I know everything, but like I know how businesses work. I did go to business school and I know that if they put a virtual version of, of every single Pokemon Mario Legend of Zelda game on the Switch, they would make a ton of cash. And if they priced it properly, they would make a ton of cash. And they've already done like they did that for the 3DS. And I'm guaranteeing they, they did it for I, the Wii too. Yeah, it's and it's no work. It takes no work at all support something like that over so why don't they do it it makes it makes no sense to me it's like nintendo is is so core to the gaming culture but they but for this generation they don't seem to be not monopolizing is that the right word capitalizing on it capitalizing on it very well whereas i think xbox is trying to do that they're trying to say hey remember halo uh, or this game or that game, it's all going to be included in this gamer pass. And I yeah. think, I think Sony is trying to do that too, right? They're trying to say, Hey, 
God of War is on PS Now. Spider-Man's on PS Now. Horizon Zero Dawn's on PS Now. You know, one or two years after release. Yeah, but, but they're not making it as attractive. Like, Game Pass, like, you can get Game Pass and get the game that came out yesterday. Very true. Like, very true. you don't have to wait. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and for some people, that's awesome. Uh, others, though, like, for me, like, I don't really buy a lot of new games. It's it's very rare I buy a game that came out the month it comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just because my I have a huge digital library and I'm working through tons of stuff and I kind of I jump from thing to thing. Um, and I look I generally kind of wait for a digital sale generally or you know um, unless it's something I really want to play. Um, and so I think that's that's fine. <laughs> for PS for PS now the reason I actually I haven't really bought into it is primarily that things come and go. And as somebody who like, I'm like, a, I like to play kit trophies, I like to do platinums. I don't like the idea that I start a game and I no longer am able to finish it. Hmm. And that's a really big barrier for me for any game that I play. Yeah, well, it's like the ones where the multiplayer service shuts down. Yes, exactly. Um, also, this is going to sound really dumb. I know it doesn't make any sense, but this is another thing. So month monthly PS Now uh, charge is I think twelve dollars, thirteen dollars Canadian, I believe. Okay. The annual is only eighty dollars. Yeah. Which is six dollars and fifty cents a month, or give or take. Yeah. But for some reason, I don't want to spend eighty dollars. I'd love to spend six sixty a month, but I don't want to. Sp- I don't want to spend eighty dollars. Okay. I don't know why that is. Uh, it's it's the a idea high that you can. Uh... That you can cancel at any point. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. I just, I don't, I feel like it's a high upfront cost, even though I know it's cheaper in the long run. But mm-hmm. again, part of the reason is uh, my apprehension to start a game there. So, and also, I've been through the library a couple of times and it's like, I wish they had more older games. Because PS- they, sorry, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, PS Plus is really weird value. I think PS Plus has great value because you get games forever. Yes, but only after you start. And I think that's the weird thing. Like, Well, to play devil's advocate, I would say that in the first month you've already made your money's worth. Well, every every month you technically make your money's worth, usually. But right. the thing is, is that like, okay, I saw that Bloodborne was on PS Plus last year i'm like okay i want to play bloodborne i buy ps plus i can't play bloodborne because it's only the games that are available this month or that like you have to add them to your card and buy right like, buy them right. before you have like so Access why to them. like so if i've been i guess it's like a loyalty thing but like because i've been buying it for two years now i have all of these games but um, someone who starts who's just starting out doesn't get the same value that I do. So it's I don't know it's it's um yeah I I I see your point for sure. I think that's a that's a point where Game Pass has something over that. Although I think Xbox Games with Gold used to do the same thing. Correct. Well, they they started doing it because Sony started doing it. Sony set that yeah. trend. Um. So again, it, it, it's it's 
almost like a similar issue, but flipped on its head where it's like with PS now, I won't have the game forever, but with PS plus, uh, you don't get any game that came before, you know, this month, mm-hmm. um, which I guess they are, are, they are somewhat remedying with the PS five. They're launching PS plus with, uh, yeah, 18, yeah, the collection, 18 PS four hits, which is honestly a really smart move. If they want to bring in gamers who have not had a PlayStation four, um, no. because you get the 20 best games of the entire console yeah. at launch and like definitive versions of them sometimes. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about the PS five because from what I'm seeing and reading online, they are, it, it appears to me that most of the games I own will be playable on the PS five, which mm-hmm. to me is, is really important. It's really huge actually, because I think we're kind of, in the we've we reached the point where that's feasible from like a a framework of of the console like i don't think that would have worked necessarily with ps3 to ps4 maybe perhaps but um certainly now like ps4 to ps5 basically what i'm looking at it as is it's me upgrading my pc hmm. uh i'm getting you know i'm getting a stronger version because this one is six years old uh i need a bigger hard drive um etc right so like it because i can transfer my library i'm much more incentivized to get a new console sooner which seems contradictory but the reason i would hold off on getting a console is that i would lose access to my old games therefore i'd want to have more time with my old console Mm -hmm. now that that's not the case um i'm going to upgrade you know probably early spring when I save up some money. If there's a sale, maybe I'll upgrade or if Santa's nice to me, I'll upgrade. <laughs> um, like, like things like, like the Witcher three they've announced are going to, um, they'll get a definitive edition for anybody who owns the Witcher three on PS4, which I do, but I haven't started playing yet, which I'm really excited, excited about because I, now I don't have to spend 50 hours on my PS4 playing Witcher three. I can spend 50 hours on my PS5 playing Witcher three. And I just have to wait a couple of months. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about this, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and it's just one less thing I'll have to have on my shelves because I'll put my PS4 away, and it'll be as a backup thing. If your uh, shelf can hold the PS5, yes, and my PS3 will be there as well because I still use it because mm-hmm. I can't I can't play PS3 games beyond PS3. So, anyways, that has been our review of Halo. <laughs> And yep. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I think, I think this next year is going to be really interesting. Um, like, I think it's, it's interesting seeing, cause I think we're seeing a little bit like what the streaming services are seeing of just like competition is growing. The market's becoming a, a little cl- uh, crowded. Um, like on PC, like Steam has had the market for so long, but then Origin tried to cut in and kind of failed. And Epic has come in and even like Humble Bundle or, other services that I'm not familiar with, uh, like Twitch Prime, like they're trying to get in there and and kind of claw that market share a little bit, and and I think the consoles are seeing seeing that as well. The way Microsoft is is playing with PC gaming and and the Xbox, it'll be interesting to see you know how they remain competitive. And um, uh, have you heard about the whole app Apple versus Epic? Yes, I, I've. I've heard about it. I haven't been following too closely. Um, I mean, Epic, it's, 
I don't know. I don't. I don't have enough, enough information to present an informed opinion. But I suppose, like, depending on how long the the process takes, because it's the court and the court takes a long time, mm-hmm. it could affect the way that um, like the ecosystems on game consoles and mobile phones works, because um, it could affect like if if the if an app has to go through a storefront or not. Yeah, I mean it's 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 an interesting concept because I if, correct me if I'm wrong. I think the main thing was Fortnite wanted Epic wanted to provide V bucks without giving Apple a cut. Like you could buy them at the Fortnite store instead of the Apple store or something like that. Basically, right? And I think internally, I'm just thinking through it now. I think it makes sense that if I want to buy V bucks for Fortnite that carries across all platforms I own, I should be able to do that anyway, please, because I'm... Oh, you, you do currently. Yes, which the, is fine. The issue was is that, like, let's say it's five. you buy $5 of V-Bucks on, like, on the official Epic site, and then you buy $5 of V-Bucks through the app. On the site, they're getting whatever percentage, like, probably mm-hmm. most of it, because it's their own site. But on Apple, they have to give Apple a 30% cut. Right. And I guess my my opinion is, I think they should be allowed to do that. You think Apple should be allowed to do that? No, no. I think I think Epic should be able to say, we're going to sell this on our own website. And Oh, it's they're, they're allowed to sell it on their own website. The issue is that they didn't feel that, they felt that 30% was too much. And so they, uh, and, and yeah. It, yeah, it's and I a guess, whole it's a whole ordeal for sure, and I, and I guess yeah, because I think of like I think of something like like League of Legends. Okay, um, League of Legends can be played on most computers, mm-hmm. but Windows isn't going to take a cut from League of Legends. No, they don't. Right, and I understand. I, I it's a different it's a different story. It's a different ecosystem in some concepts, but I think I think the argument is there that you know. Well, that's it, that's what Epic's fighting for. Yes, and it's and I I would say it's a totally different situation if you could only get the product on iPhone, and well, then like the, yeah, and that's the only method of like making a transaction or like there's no other systems in play because but because there's other systems in play, Fortnite is a service outside of the iPhone. That's mm-hmm. kind of my my point there. Yeah. Yeah, man, we've we've hit all of them today. We hit EA, we hit Apple, we hit Xbox, we hit uh, Nintendo, Nintendo, we hit uh, that Marine with the gravity hammer. <laughs> we did, <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, and I think I, I know Epic's also trying to fight Steam on stuff as well in regards to that cut. Um, but again, it's yeah. I, I, I think, I again, from a business perspective, competition generally, generally is good for the consumer. Um, so, but there comes a point where like, where the, when the market gets too muddled, it's all going to kind of cave in on itself. And I think that's going to happen with streaming services and it might happen with gaming streaming services as well, or even the gaming industry where you know, people are going to compartmentalize and then things are going to start flopping. So, um, we'll see how that goes. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, if you had to give Halo Reach a rating, what would you give it? I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it a kanji. Okay. And um, I think it's just because it's like... It's just really, really well done. And it's something I would enjoy doing and spending time with any day of the year. Um, it, it makes me feel comfortable. It makes me feel safe. Uh, and uh, Master Chief is just a, a beast. And so is Kanji. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, I think I would probably give it a Yosuke. Um, because it's, it's, I think it falls into the same kind of category as the other ones I've given like, yeah, I'll spend an afternoon hanging out and we'll, we'll play, we're playing a game. We don't have to chat about anything serious. And then once the day's over, we go our separate ways and maybe hang out again another time. But it's it's not, uh, not something that we have to like, okay, every, every week we're going to, we're going to do this. Like. It's it's a game you can chill and hang, have fun and hang out with, but you don't have to like. There's no obligations or like. Yeah, that's that's a really good point actually, and um, yeah, I think I think there's lots of there are a lot of games out there like that have that that drop in feel of like like I think Assassin's Creed Odyssey was a really good game of like just dropping in and playing for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of having fun. And I played that game over like three or four months and I never got tired of it. Maybe near the end. Whereas like some games, they don't have that. And I think, I think that's kind of core to what makes it, how you can tell a game is really good is if you can day in and day out, spend some period of time and, and enjoy it, you know, and, and, and not think that it's wasting your time. So, mm-hmm. you know, Graham, I think we've talked about about an hour now. And I think we, we spent 30 minutes talking about Halo Reach. We spent a solid 30 minutes. Yes, it talking was. Talking about Halo. Yeah. Which is interesting uh, because it, I feel like. <laughs> it was somewhere around the 50 minute mark. I kind of like realized, oh, we're not talking about Halo anymore. Which is which is fine. It's it's fine. Halo Reach is a great game. Anybody who it's the knows Velvet anything, Room re- review experience. Yes. Well, anything, anybody who knows anything about gaming knows that Halo Reach is a great game. Um, and all Halo games are, are generally great. Uh, except I can't speak for five, but I can speak for the rest, and I will speak for them, and I will say they are good, and they should be played, and enjoyed, and cherished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, that's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please let us know. Um, we love feedback. We love uh, game suggestions. I think one of our favorite things about the podcast is hearing about games we've never heard of before and then playing them and then either really, really, really liking them or just going, eh, I didn't really like it. Um. So please let us know if you have any suggestions. Uh, we are on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, if you want to reach out that way. Otherwise, uh, leaving a review on your local podcast provider is also appreciated. And as always, if you do like the show, 
and you know of somebody who might like a podcast like this, let them know because that is the best way for us to grow. <laughs> uh, but we will be back. Graham, 2020 is almost over as far as podcasts go. Congratulations. We're not quite there yet. I don't want to say we've made it through, but we're getting close. There's still time. <laughs> and a lot of that time is going to be spent playing some very long video games for yes. us. So yes. we've got... Oh, uh, gosh, yes. We've got four more episodes plus the Velities uh, mm-hmm. on the docket. Um, and uh, I'm really excited about some of the games coming up that we're going to be talking about. So please stay tuned. Uh, mm-hmm. But until then, have a good evening. Yes. Good night.